Welcome to Beyond Speaking with Brian Lord, a podcast featuring deeper conversations with the world's top speakers. Hi, I'm Brian Lord, your host of the Beyond Speaking podcast. And today we have on Carly Patterson. This is Olympic year. And so uh, women's uh, overall Olympic gold medal champion and Athens a uh, mother and um, a person who's made it like a kid's book and a singer and has done so many <laughs> different things. And uh, we're excited. We've already had like a little meeting here today. But Carly, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I know. Well, it's kind of fun hearing all your different stories. And, and the humility is one thing I like. You know, like all I did was win a gold medal. Like this is kind of funny. Of, of, like, uh, I need more. <laughs> me more. But, um, you know, where did that passion uh, come from to to get into this? I know you said it's an accident. How did that accident happen? Yeah, it was just a random chance at my little cousin's gymnastics birthday party. She wasn't even a gymnast. And she <laughs> that's where she had her birthday party. And I was six years old and it just sparked this passion, you know, deep inside and led to an 11 year incredible journey. Um, and the coach actually came over that at that birthday party and was like, Hey, do you take gymnastics somewhere? I was like, Nope, this is my first time. And, <laughs> and he went over to my parents and said, Hey, I think your daughter's got some potential. You should put her in the sport, which was not my parents plan at all. They're like, we don't have time to like be dropping her off at gymnastics and you know, whatever else. And after three months of begging them and, you know, about to hurt myself trying to do all these things I learned at the birthday party. They finally put me in. <laughs> oh, wow. So did any of the other kids pick it up from that? Any of the other kids from the birthday party? Yeah. Just me. No, just me. <laughs> and um, my cousin still likes to say that I, I owe her big time. So I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> so what is the, because it's one thing to just start it. It's another thing to keep with it. Where do you think that that passion came from or that, that will to stay with it came from? Yeah. You know, I think by kind of embracing that spark. You know, everything worthwhile kind of starts with a spark. And I think that taught me when when you feel that, that nudge or something pulls you or you gravitate towards it, that you should pause and pay attention and be curious and, you know, ask what what is it about that spark that captured your attention? Because sometimes it's like we're, you know, driving down the highway and we're so focused on that end goal or where we're trying to get to that we might be missing, you know, these blinking signs that we should take this detour or that we should take this exit down a different road that might lead us down, you know, a road that would, that could spark a new path and passion in our life. And, um, you know, I think just going after that and trying and, and failing and still, you know, having the having the will and desire and, and keeping that passion alive to keep going and to try to become the best gymnast I could be was, you know, what, what kept me going. And there were times where I had to step out of my comfort zone or step into the uncertain. And I think that's another thing that has taught me, you know, about life in general, just, you know, when you don't push yourself past those boundaries, when you don't step out into the uncertain and engage and, you know, embrace that spark that, you know, you're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities that you could have for your life. What does it feel like to go into those places? Um, it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you know, when you do things like that, it's going to be scary. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be challenging, but I have learned that it is going to be way more re rewarding than any of, you know, the, the difficulty and, and the nerves and the scaredness. <laughs> How old were you uh, when you started realizing that you were pretty good at this? 
I guess I was about maybe maybe 10, and I kind of told you guys this story because, well, I, I thought I was good. I was level <laughs> 10, I was level 10 um, at 10 years old, which is very young to be level 10 in g- gymnastics. That's which is like the second highest, right? Is the it? second highest level you can be just below that elite level. And, you know, I was winning all around Louisiana and getting on the podium and getting, you know, medals and, um, and trophies. And, but I had level 10 nationals, my very first one coming up. And, you know, I thought for sure I'd get on the podium and get trophies just like I always did. (laughs) And the, the podium I found myself on ended up being 76th place all around. (laughs) And, um, I told you there's no, there's no podium for, for 76th place. And so that was a big reality check of, wow, yeah, you're nowhere near as good as you thought you were. And there's still a lot of work to be done. Now, a lot of people, when they hit that, when they realize they're not where they thought they actually were, stop. What made you keep going? Yeah, that just kind of, instead of instead of getting complacent or instead of looking at how far I still had to go and thinking, oh my gosh, I'm 76th place. That's so far away from getting on the podium, so far away from getting any kind of trophy or medal. Um, You know, I could have just said, I'm never going to be as good as these girls and I'm just going to give up. But I think instead, I let that fuel me and fuel my passion for the sport and and challenge me. And I kind of just took that challenge on and I was like, no, no. I will be back next year and I will get on the podium. And I did, not in the all around, but I did end up getting first place on floor mm-hmm. um, that very next year. So that also taught me that, you know what, putting in that work and and you know having the determination to make something happen that you want to happen, you know, can can truly work. And um What's your favorite out of the different uh, disciplines or exercises that, that go into that? So the balance beam was always my favorite, and it was also my best event. Uh-huh. And um, something that's really fun, my coach and I came up with this beam dismount. That's It's called the Patterson. Uh-huh. It's named after me because when you do a skill at a world championships or Olympic games, um, and you do it successfully, it gets named after you. Mm. So no one in the world had ever done it before. So it's it's... A, Let's see if you know what this is, Brian. It's a, <laughs> it's a round off back handspring double Arabian. Oh, okay. Of course. Yeah. Everyone, you know how to do that, yeah, right? I've yeah, done that yeah. two or three times this morning. <laughs> <laughs> so um, one of the most difficult skills you can do actually mm-hmm. in, in the sport. And I competed it at the world championships and uh, got it named after me. And so that was um, one of those really cool things that, um, in my career that I'm you know, super proud of. And then I just totally lost track of your question. So. <laughs> well, I think that's one of the things that I, I really like is that in kind of researching this, like the discipline and the grit to actually accomplish something so well, so difficult, no one's ever done it before. How long and how many times did you have to do that before you could do it at that level? Oh gosh. And it was such a scary skill to do. I mean, I guess when you're doing one of the hardest tricks, it's going to be scary. But um, I mean, there were days where I did not want to do it. Like I just knew I'm like, I really hope they don't make me do my dismount today. <laughs> um, you know, or those there were those days where I would just be off, you know, and and just constantly go crooked and like take off of one leg and then not get the power I needed, land on my back. Um, you know, there were so many mess ups, way more mess ups than you know successful ones. And, um, that's why it just took doing it over and over and over again. And especially on those days that I didn't want to do it and figuring out 
those issues and working out those kinks. Um, because in the Olympics on the all around night doing my beam routine, I did one of the best beam routines that I had ever done that I could have ever done. And I ended up sticking my dismount, which I didn't do that in competition very often. And it didn't even happen at home very often. It was very hard to just stick cold and not, you know, have to take a little hop or a little step. And, um, and I could feel it in my the first couple skills, the round out back handspring that I was on mm-hmm. and that I was going to land it. And so it was pretty cool. And um, yeah, that's I, Beam was just always one of my favorite events and and one of my best events. So maybe it was because my favorite. I don't know. Normally that's not people's favorite because you're you know tumbling on a four inch wide piece <laughs> of wood. So I, most people don't think that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe that's why you're so successful. I mean, that, that's what, yeah, that's think. what I always tell young gym, gymnasts. I'm like, I think because I was nice to the beam and I liked it, it liked me back. So just, you know, start out with like a hug every morning, you know, before you do your routine. Maybe it'll help. So uh, kind of zooming forward to the Olympics here, what's it like arriving at the Olympics the first time? It is really surreal. One of the most surreal moments of my life. You know, we we got there and got to the arena and it was, you know, 2004 as the Athens, Athens Olympics, the birthplace of the Olympics. And I knew that and how special that was and how cool that was to be a part of. And, you know, just remember walking into the arena that first night and, you know, the lights are super, super bright. The cameras are all up in your face. There's a little literal camera that runs like feels like it's chasing you along the vault runway. So that's a little distracting and <laughs> weird to get is, used to. Is that to. the only place where that happens? Is, is that the Olympics? I, from what I can remember in my competition days, I'm pretty sure, yes. And yeah. I remember looking at that thing like, uh, I don't like this. I do not like this at all. I feel like I'm being chased, but maybe that helps me run a little faster and yeah. block a little better. I don't know. Um, you know, but the Olympic rings were plastered everywhere on everything as, you know, a constant reminder that you're at the Olympics if you'd forgotten. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, you know, palms were incredibly sweaty, the, the whole <laughs> bit really, um, just all kinds of, of feelings and emotions and, you know, and it being so surreal. And I think, think that being 16 and being so young, that was something that kind of helped me. I was almost not oblivious. I mean, obviously I was extremely prepared and had trained my whole life for this, but I think um, that youngness in me, I didn't let kind of the bigness of what was happening and what I was about to do affect me as much as maybe if I would have been a little bit older and really realized that pressure and realized that there are millions of people watching me on TV. You know, there's a camera chasing me on the floor there. You know, it's just we're at the Olympics. It's all so big and scary. And, um, just kind of was like, I tried to treat it as another, as another competition and just going in there and doing what I knew how to do. Because at that point it was truly all mental. I'd put in the preparation and the effort and the time and the, the repetitions. And it was just all about going out there and doing what I knew how to do. Mm-hmm. So what, um, you know, taking it up to that day and that time you're doing it and, and the gymnastics, what part of the Olympics, cause the Olympics are usually a couple weeks there. So yeah. uh, is that beginning, middle, end? We were in the beginning because we, everyone always asks if we get to go to the opening ceremonies and we did it because we were competing the very next day and we, that was our preliminary competition. So it was, you know, qualifying for everything. It was a big one. And, um, you know, we didn't want to be on our feet for hours and hours and walking and not resting. Mm -hmm. So we didn't get to see that. Um, so yeah, (laughs) we 
We're at the beginning normally. And uh, and how long do you compete? How many days during the Olympics do you compete for? Especially with the all around. Yeah, it's a. F- I mean, it's kind of going on for a few weeks. You've got you know that preliminary competition, and then you've got you know a few days of training, and then you've got you know uh, the team competition, few days of training all-around competition, few days of training, and then so on and so forth with individual events. Um, so it's it lasts a long time. And I just remember by the end of it all, like I didn't want to stay another week or two to see closing ceremonies. I just wanted to go home and sleep in my <laughs> own bed, which now I'm like, Carly, like, I regret that because I should have stayed. I should have explored Athens more during that time. Um, because it does not look the same way anymore. I've been back. But yeah, now I just, you know, a young 16 year old, all I wanted to do was be back in my be- own bed with my own pillow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, take us through sort of, you know, getting ready that, that uh, you know, through your competing. And, you know, to this point, like from a historical standpoint, it had been Mary Lou Retton who had won the Olympic, uh, like U.S., uh, Olympic gold medal for the all around yeah. and mm-hmm. that's it right to that point. And I can think right now we're kind of in the spoiled time where we have so many yeah. great, but to that point it had not been, you know, yeah. Mary Lou in that interview that you did with her, like she was saying, yeah, we Americans, no one's <laughs> expecting anything of us. So right. what was your kind of expectation from that big perspective? And then what was the moment like? Yeah. You know, it was, she won 20 years before I did and I was born four years later. So I didn't even get to see it happen, you know, live, but I knew that she was the last one and the only one to win. And Um, you know, going in there, obviously that was my goal, but I tried not to put, you know, too much, think, think about it too much and put too much pressure on it to where I sabotage myself. But, um, it was, yeah, it was just one of the most incredible and surreal moments of my life. And I knew that after beam, I looked over, saw my name go to fourth place in the standings. And then we were going into the fourth and final event, which was floor, and I was up dead last. So that meant I got to watch every other competitor finish their last routine and take a breath of relief while I still had to go. And by that time, and it was my turn to go up, I had already calculated the exact score I needed to get to clinch the gold. So no pressure. Um, you know, but I remember going up there, doing the floor routine of my life, sticking all four of my tumbling passes and just kind of running back down into my coach uh, Afghani's arms and, you know, we're waiting for that score. And those just few minutes feel like a few hours. And finally we just look over and see my name move to first place. Mm. And it's like, what just happened? And um, he just throws me up on his shoulders, you know, and we're just both like yelling, like, you did it. We did it. We did it. And I'm crying and then I'm laughing. And then I think like all the emotions just start rolling and, you know, we're waving to the crowd and it is just literally one of the most surreal and incredible moments of, you know, your life to think, Oh my gosh, you did it. You are the best. Mm-hmm. So. so you come from that. Obviously, you didn't stay around in, in uh, Athens, as you mentioned. <laughs> and you come home, and it was different than what you thought it was going to be. Tell us yeah, about what it was yeah. like coming home. Yes, part two to that question. Um, <laughs> you know, like you said, I didn't have anyone that I saw do it before me. So I had no clue what to expect. Um, and I just, you know, leaving there, I was thinking... I made my dreams come true. You know, I'm an Olympic champion. Awesome. I'm going to go back home and go back to school and, you know, go back in the gym and just continue what I was doing, normal life. And uh, when we got off the plane, it was like every news 
station was there. Everyone from my gym was there. We went straight to like a press conference and uh, (laughs) like, you know, from this long flight where I probably looked disheveled and, um, (laughs) and then, you know, I had like a presidential motorcade on the way home to my house from the airport. And I was just remembering thinking like, what is happening? What is this life? Why are people doing this for me? Or why do people care? You know, I just thought, I was doing it for me, which, which I was. Um, but one of, one of the cooler things, uh, that happened after I was getting recognized everywhere I went, which was very strange and different and something I wasn't used to, but something that would, that people would say and come up to me and they would be like, Carly, thank you for what you did for our country. And I was like, Oh, like I never looked at it that way. I mean, I was doing it for myself in like more of a selfish way, but it was really cool to hear that that just kind of like boosted, you know, our country and, um, you know, just kind of helped bring people together. And, and so to kind of hear people be thankful and appreciative of that was really cool and made me see winning the Olympics in a whole different light. And uh, then you went on to uh, college and marriage and everything else. And you know, one of the things that you've, you've mentioned before is that is sort of this grit to get through difficult times. You've had some difficult times as well through that. And um, so what is it like with you with your story of becoming a parent as well? Yeah. So my husband and I met at a mutual friend's wedding after locking eyes over the mashed potato bar, which <laughs> everyone laughs, but that is a true story. And, um, you know, so we we date for a few years and we decide we're ready to get married. Um, we travel the world, do married life for a few years, and then we decide, I think we're ready to expand our family and start the family. And, um, you know, as most you know, cu- new couples starting out trying to have their first kid, they think it's going to happen on the first month, right? Yeah. Well, we learned that the hard way. A year goes by with, you know, nothing but negative pregnancy tests. And then we decide to go get checked out, see if there's just something that, you know, we should know about. Um, and then I find out I have PCOS and that we're going to have a really low percent uh, chance to conceive on our own. So we start seeing a fertility doctor. And that very first month, we are doing our first, you know, set of treatments and we get pregnant. And we're like, okay, that wasn't too bad. All right. And um, we go in to see the baby for the first time and have that first sonogram. And when the screen pops up and I'm like, you know, telling Mark, get the video ready so we can send it to the family and all that. And, you know, the video screen pops up and there's no heartbeat and there's no, uh, there's the baby has stopped growing. And so they were like, yeah, you're, you guys are going to miscarry. This is not going to work out. And, um, you know, just everything I could do to like keep from losing it when the doctor was, you know, having that after meeting with us of plans and next steps and what's going to happen. And, um, you know, that was one of the most difficult days of, of our lives. And, um, you know, through that, that's when for me, um, you know, we, we continued on with our fertility treatment, um, you know, ended up getting pregnant, uh, a little while later, a year, year and a half later on our third IUI. And, uh, you know, now I've got a two year old and a one year old. And, um, that was, that was a difficult time of having to kind of relinquish control because, uh, there was a lot of anger and a lot of hurt and a lot of, you know, why me, like, why am I having to go through this? Which is like, why are you even asking that? Like everybody (laughs) goes through hard times in their life and Mm -hmm. you just have to deal with them. 
And so, um, you know, that's when for me, faith came in and was a big thing that helped turn things around and helped get me back to thinking, uh, you know, and being in a place of waking up every single day, being grateful for everything that I had, being thankful for, you know, all the all the blessings that were in my life, even though we were still waiting for that baby and waiting for that one thing that we were longing for so much. Um, and so, like I said, that just was a, a period of realizing that it's not about having control over everything that happens in our life, because that's just not going to be realistic. Sometimes it's about consistently getting better through life's challenging times and setbacks and learning what that vehicle is going to be for seeing yourself through those challenging times. And for me, it was faith. And how, how much do you think your resiliency that you learned as a child helped you as an adult? I think that probably definitely was a big factor because getting through things like injuries and you know, losses and, and wins. And, you know, there's those times in the gym where things weren't working out. Um, and I had nothing to do, but just to just keep trying to keep putting in the work and to keep putting in the effort. And that's kind of how I looked at, looked at that and really look at anything in life now that you've got to work hard, um, at whatever you want to do. And it's not always going to happen in the timing we want to, like there are going to be times where we have to just have patience for our hard work to show up or for, you know, that recognition of, of what we're doing in our jobs or, you know, whatever it may be. And definitely learning that at a young age was very helpful to just keep plowing forward, you know, <laughs> um, through those difficult times, I was not going to give up, you know, it's just kind of in my DNA not to quit now and through, and through my life as a kid, um, in the gym and, and what I learned. So which is very helpful. What do you think you uh, picked up from your parents that you're going to apply now? Oh, you know, um, my, my parents are, you know, they're great parents and I was super lucky to, to have such supportive parents that would, you know, get me to the gym, get me from the gym to school and then back to the gym and then back home. And I just don't even know how they did it. But, (laughs) um, you know, my mom, I was telling you guys, my mom is just a great example of, you know, just a point that I love to talk about and how saving a setback for later. And, you know, this is kind of a time where a setback can happen at the exact wrong time. And I'm not sure there's ever a great time for a setback, but there's always, you know, a worse time. (laughs) And my mom at 30 years old decided to go back to school and um, had my sister and I as young babies, worked full time, was a wife, was, you know, mom, a friend, and tried to probably keep a social life on the weekends to keep her sanity. And, you know, I asked her so many times, how did you do that? Like, when did you sleep in that time period? How were you able to get through doing all the things that were were on your plate? And, you know, and she's like, Harley, well, you know, I probably didn't sleep as much at that point. I probably did. You know, I probably was really tired and I probably did struggle. Um, you know, but it was something that I wanted to do for myself and I wasn't going to let any of those things hold me back. You know, I was going to just embrace it and, get through the time of however it was going to be, it was going to be a little bit tired for a little while and that's okay. And you just push through it and you don't let that stop you. And now at the age of 60, she's turning 60 this, this year. 
And once again, sorry for the age shout out, mom. But <laughs> she, <laughs> she's, I feel like I'm telling everyone she's turning 60 this year. <laughs> so she decided um, just a few weeks ago, she started back school again and um, to finish her college degree out. Mm. And so now she's gonna be the only one in her family with a college degree, and she doesn't need to, need to do it for, for work or for any other reason, except for the, it's just something she's always wanted to do in life. And so that doesn't mean that the setback is not still there, that you know she's not still a mom, now a grandmother, and you know, works full time, has a social life, and she, you know, she's just a really great example of determination and whatever you want to go after in life, go after it and don't let anything stop you. And I think I've been really lucky to see her go through these things of knowing that, okay, it's not going to be easy. Like I see her push past, you know, the tiredness or maybe the worry or the nerves. Like she has been so nervous leading up to starting school again you know, um, so many years later, but she just finished her first paper and she got like a perfect grade. And she calls, she calls me <laughs> the other day and she goes, um, I just have to tell you that your mom's really smart. <laughs> and I was like, see, you didn't even need to be worried. Um, you have to send her like know, a lunchbox or something for her 60th birthday, like a little, like <laughs> yes. uh, peppermint patty lunchbox or something it. like that. Love it. Gonna <laughs> steal that idea for sure. Um, so yeah, I think I'm just really lucky to, you know, be able to look up and have these role models of, you know, go after whatever it is that you want in life. It's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. It might be scary, you know, difficult, but it'll also be so rewarding and worth it. Thank you for joining us for the Beyond Speaking podcast. To learn more about today's guests, go to beyondspeak.com. Make sure to leave a review and subscribe wherever you listen. 